laughter lines. There had been a lot of laughter. A slight caramel tan, the residue of life-changing days in Rome. She smiled at herself. Teeth tamed in adolescence by train tracks, a slightly overlong top lip, summer sky blue eyes. Ever since she could remember, she'd been able to knock people backwards almost literally with her smile. Men and, yes, absolutely, women too. And because she was a good person, all her life strangers had brought her good things. She looked harder into the mirror. No, not a sign of dangerous redness or a broken vein. Self-control. An early renunciation of delicious tobacco and caution with alcohol. And then she looked at herself properly. The eyes were looking at the eyes, complete self-consciousness. This was the face of the king's first minister of the treasury, the most powerful face in the United Kingdom. The face of Nefertiti, or Gloriana. Now Caroline noticed its coldness. This was the face of a woman who had done something terrible. Not murder, but something like murder. She felt she could smell her own electricity. She thought of poor Angela, poor sweet Angela, who smelled not of that, but of the coast and of honeysuckle, and who was at this very moment in a cramped prison cell, perhaps bereft, feeling that her life was over. Caro washed, peed, showered, toweled, and began to dress. She could imagine the prison cell vividly. The walls would be painted to a height of about four feet in a medicinal green, and above that, in white. They would be covered with little raised bumps which would break and flake if you pressed them. There would be small messages, not many, scratched into the paint or written in pencil, not all misspelled. Back in Caro's bedroom there was a large black-and-white photograph of Angela in a silver frame given to her on a previous anniversary. Under the master's direction, she had allowed a journalist from the Times to take that picture away with him after an interview. The paper had used it on the front page. It had done Caro a lot of good. Angela was staring with her dark, intense look, her wiry black hair blowing across her face like seaweed, her collar shining like a bone. The picture had been taken down at Pebbleton in Devon in the good days. Caro remembered taking it, and she noted that it was well composed. The stubby tower of the church, beside which they lived, was clearly visible over Angela's black-shirted left shoulder. Behind Angela's picture, but larger than it, was a more recent photograph. The unmistakable, world-famous face of the master. Caro had a lot to confess to him. He would talk, as he always did, about keeping it simple about honesty and clarity and her brand. One lover, heaven, two lovers, hell. That was one of his. But somehow she felt he probably already knew what had happened. He knew everything. Well, not everything. She would surprise him later. Walking down the narrow stairs towards breakfast, Caro noted a great dark blaze of sunrise, a bruise-coloured mountain rolling fast across East London. Today was without doubt going to be special.
Then on the bottom step, Curra saw the interloper. Wearing the familiar pink cheesecloth nightie, one bare foot tucked over the other to keep it warm, she was looking up at Curro with a solemn expression. It was the girl. Curra did not believe that her house was haunted, nor that, in any conventional sense, she had a guardian angel. But at important times, on days that mattered, she was accustomed to meeting herself, her earlier self aged eight or nine, and talking. Caroline could see her ribs moving under the nightie and her cold toes wriggling. She stopped. She could go no further, neither around nor through this inconvenient moment, this folded, unavoidable interruption. Why the long face?